All right, the Media Camp, episode number 61 with Sergey Ross here. Thanks guys for joining. I'm so very excited to have one of the first few episodes on the new show. And this time I'm talking to Dukan Das, who is the CEO of a company called LeadSift. And it's a, such a great chat. Oh my God, I think you will love it because we are going super hard on content marketing and micro content and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And um, we are actually going into a lot of details. So I think you will really enjoy it. Here's our conversation. Tukan, thank you for coming. It's great to have you. Same here, Sergey. It's, it's great to be here. I, uh, I stopped doing long intros. I just find that you jump into it and it's just more engaging. <laughs> I, I 100% agree. We, I don't know if you noticed, we just recently started doing a podcast and we said, get, let's get rid of the intros. Let's get to the meat of the conversation. You're stealing my first question. Exactly. You just launched it. I liked the, your post just like, and honestly, like 10 minutes ago. Tell me about the show. You've been, you've been putting out the content for a while, but now you just feel like it's the time to start your own podcast. And, and to be honest with you, it, it actually triggered because we, we listen to podcasts, myself and Alex, our head of growth, a uh, lot of sales, marketing podcasts, and, uh, and a lot of them are great. But what we lacked, what we realized was there was not a lot of podcasts that specifically talked about a marketing campaign with data, meaning, well, how many, what, just like the stuff we were talking before, like what was the CPL, mm -hmm. what was the audience size, what was... So we thought there is a, there's a gap in the market with that kind of stuff. So we said, you know what? Let's just get B2B marketing demand gen sales practitioners. They're running marketing and sales campaigns and share insights, specific data and hard numbers about the results they're getting. Um, 10 to 15 minute chat. So that, that's what we, we haven't officially launched yet. At start, I think it goes live Monday, but right. we have recorded six interviews and some great insights. It's incredible insight, specific data-backed insights. So, so yeah, that's 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 what we are excited about. I don't know, um, like the inspiration to be honest with you, came from um, you. Do you follow Nathan Latka? I googled him. Yes, he does some amazing yeah. stuff. Oh, incredible! Right. So Nathan has this thing called where he interviews CEOs, where the CEOs have to come in and basically share insights, specific insights about like their MRR, their churn, their like, you know, uh, run rate, everything. Um, and these are 10, 15 minutes interviews. If you're, if you're not okay to share those, you're not welcome. Like they will not. So, so we, we took some inspiration from there. We are not that cutthroat yet, but we basically reach out to this market and say, hey, would you be comfortable sharing this specific campaign that you run? I don't need to know all your strategy, but this specific thing that you're proud of, would you do, what were the results? What were the tactics, lessons learned? Um, so that's what it is. It's called show me the data. That's um, a great one. I like it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. There, yeah. I think there's a, there's definitely a gap. Like uh, people talk about, Oh, let's get tactical. But the best tactics I've heard on a marketing podcast, they will be like, okay, these are the seven steps of the framework. Go do it. Versus yeah. here's the cost per click. Here's where it worked. And here's the organic versus paid. Like we just talked about Facebook versus LinkedIn. Exactly. So that's what we are hoping to do. We are hoping to collect this data, share it with the other market saying, Hey, this person, like the first uh, podcast host was um, someone who did an ABM campaign and she specifically said, you know, what are the tools you, she used? What was the budget? What was the conversion rate? And, you know, what was even the gift they sent? Um, so I, I think uh, this would be, it'd be, it fills a gap. That's what I think. We'll see how the audience receives it. And it'll be helpful for even our, to be honest with you, even our customers too. So a lot of customers come, sometimes come to us and say, hey, you know, we want to use in, uh, intent data for ABM or something specific. Do you have any examples? And we can literally say, this is, you know, we did an interview with this person. They didn't use LeadSet, but this is what they did. And these were the results. You can benchmark and things like that. So super I, excited. I love that because, you know, it's interesting because also, well, your product is called LeadSet and you sell the intent-based data and you will, we will talk about it. I'll let you talk about it in more detail. But then you didn't really come uh, to come up to the idea of, oh, let's start a podcast that absolutely has to be around intent-based data. It was just more about, oh, there's a gap in the market. And by the way, it might potentially help us to have brand awareness for LeadSift. Absolutely, yes. Like we did not want, it has got nothing to do with intent. It has got everything to do with a specific marketing strategy or a campaign that someone did. 
and talking about that. If there is intent, whether it's lead shift or something, great. That, that is not one of the questions. And the goal is to set this as benchmarks for the industry, uh, brand awareness, obviously, but also helping our existing customers share this insights with them. That's a great one. Uh, and Thank so you. this is uh, this is really cool because so you are you're an engineer, right? You've been uh, you've been doing a lot of coding, and uh, I've heard some amazing amazing feedback on like how how in depth you go. But then so now you you run the company for for a couple of years. Where's this marketing mindset that you have comes from? Because you are you are clearly doing a lot of inbound content marketing, which is like a longer way to attract potential customers. Uh, where's this understanding of like, oh, this marketing support, like it should be this, like it should be inbound marketing. I should be actually focusing on brand comes from because you've been, you're coming from this engineering background. Yeah, so my background is in, in computer science and more specifically around data, data mining. Uh, but as, as a CEO, um, I don't get to write a lot of code. So I, I basically focus on two things. One is I work with uh, my colleague, Alec, on, on the sales side of things. Um, and then uh, we do not have, uh, um, a, a, we did not have a dedicated marketing person in-house. So we work with an agency, but I had to take the lead on guiding the agency to, to, to basically tell them what to do. Um, so that's why I, I sort of had to put that hat on and think about it. But one thing I think that helps is being a data, coming from a data science, data mining background, we are always looking for patterns uh, in, in data. So one of the things that I, I do is when, when we're thinking of marketing, especially inbound marketing or uh, interesting tactics that, that can scale customer acquisition, mm-hmm. um, I always try to see what's something good that's working from some other expert that I hear. Like for example, the last uh, podcast that you did with the VP of marketing at Invision, she had some great insights. So I'm like, okay, so those are some great things. If I see that pattern repeat, then I, I try to apply it to our, uh, our own marketing process. So I'm sort of using a little bit of data science background in the sense I'm looking for patterns, what other great B2B marketers are doing, what's working, what's really working outside of the BS or, or the fluff, and then trying to uh, replicate that uh, in, in our solution. So that's, that's where it's coming from then. Right. On a, on a higher level, because like, I know, like I would do the same thing. I would write posts, let's say I'm a post in on LinkedIn and I would go back one, two weeks ago. I, I'd see what performed well. And then I would just expand on mm. that topic. Cause you know, there's actually people are interested in that versus if I come up with a new topic, sometimes you don't know what's the, are they actually really interested in this or maybe they are not quite. No. So, so that's, that's the, that's the other thing that we, we realized with regards to the content that we put that we are putting out, a um, couple of things we have realized. So we, when we sort of pivoted into this intent data space for B two B, we were all outbound, hundred percent outbound. There was no brand, no one knew about Leadsef, and we we had to go outbound, right? Uh, we were publishing some blogs, but again, mm-hmm. it was predominantly outbound. We were getting data from Leadsef and then using Outreach.io to send out emails. That's what we did. But then we realized there were the, 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 the customer acquisition or the demand or the opportunity generation from outbound was dipping. The response rate was dipping. It was still above industry average, but it was still dipping because outbound was being saturated. Um, and then what we realized was- And, okay, and when was, the, well, well, yeah. what year was that? This is uh, 2016, mid 2016. So we saw great success between early 2016 to late 2017, early 2018, with regards just outbound, zero inbound. Mm -hmm. Um, But then mid 2018, we realized we cannot, you know, uh, predictably scale the revenue without mixing in some outbound, some brand. Um, Even outbound works better if the company, the person you're reaching out to knows of your brand. That's the truth. Absolutely. So so that's when we started looking into uh, inbound and um, we, 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 d- we looked at different sources. We started creating content like blogs, webinars, uh, li- organic LinkedIn and, and stuff like that. And we basically saw, um, I mean, a lot of our audiences is basically B2B marketers and demand generation people at B2B companies, and they all live on LinkedIn. So we know our audience is on LinkedIn. So we, we, we started creating content on LinkedIn, organic content, 
doing some paid promotion and stuff like that, uh, complementing our outbound. And, and that seems to be working. There's more and more people that come to us. We basically ask them, if you don't know the channel, we basically ask them, it's like, how'd you find out about leads? They're like, oh, I saw a post or um, my friend shared something or I heard you on a podcast or something like that. So, so we are seeing, again, these are a little bit anecdotal, but, but we are seeing the trend happening. And I think right now, so I'll give you, speaking mm -hmm. of numbers, showing the data, um, in 2017, when we hired our first salesperson, Alex, 88% uh, of our leads or meetings booked were outbound, 88%. The rest, 20%, 12% were through networks. So I would right. reach out to an investor who would make an interest. Right now, we just literally did our Q3 planning. Right now, 77% of the, of the leads are inbound. Uh, and, so. and is this coming from, so inbound, that would not be just LinkedIn, right? That would be, no. that could be a YouTube, that could be somebody posting on their own show, like the podcast interview, let's say you did, Absolutely. right? All of that. So it would be uh, organic um, SEO, someone searching for intent data or behavioral looking up. It'd be podcast. It'd be LinkedIn. It would be G2 crowd. We get some leads from G2 crowd, YouTube, Facebook, um, we are dabbling into, we have a new social media person. He's dabbling into TikTok. Mm. I don't know how that will go, but, <laughs> but yeah, but it's basically that, that, that it's, it's inbound marketing. Yeah. So, so do you, uh, that's, I mean, to me, it makes a lot of sense. I've honestly heard so many similar comments. I actually experienced the same thing myself when I started putting out content without necessarily sales intent. I just had some thoughts about marketing. I'm like, Hey, let me post it. And then people are coming back and pretty much the same thing. There's like all this inquiries, which is, which is crazy. Yeah. But uh, do you focus on like, what are the, some of the main channels that you look at? Obviously you do LinkedIn. Um, I've seen you are posting from the company page as well, which I've heard is not very effective at the moment because it, it LinkedIn algorithm actually deprioritizes the company page versus that were the, the individual posts. That's what I see right yeah. now. It seems like. So to, I'll, I'll add two things. Yes. Our data says personal posts get way more engagement than company pages. That's what we assume. Um, I am not knowledgeable enough to be making that comment saying that if, I, I do not know if LinkedIn does it or not. I kind of find um, a little bit of, uh, like a lot of people are making guesses about how LinkedIn's algorithm works, uh, similar to how you know, Google PageRank worked. I, I remember mm -hmm. back in the day in 2007, 2006, everyone was saying, oh, Google uses this for PageRank. Some of this was true. The rest of it was, was just garbage, like get, speculation. I think a lot of that is also happening with LinkedIn. But, but yes, yes. Um, in, in terms of personal posts, personally for us, at least it works better than company posts. Um, the other sources are um, blogs. Um, mm -hmm. We do webinars. And in webinars, we try to bring interesting guests who are experts in something specific and they share their insights about a very specific topic that a lot of our customers ask for. Um, so that's another uh, um, sort of um, lead gen mm -hmm. source or inbound traffic for right. us. Facebook works, um, but those, Facebook, are, those are different channels. Sorry, and Facebook yeah. on, the, on the paid, paid front, right? That's right. Paid organic, not so much, but paid, yes. But even in paid, though, uh, what we have noticed is Facebook uh, uh, paid works better for uh, ebooks, case study type content rather than booking a demo or, or, or that kind of lower funnel. It's more top of the funnel. That's where we have seen good cost per acquisition. Yeah, it's much better than uh, direct response. It works pretty well as direct response for B2C, but like when you're doing yeah. B2B, yeah. uh, it yeah. just doesn't, it's not effective. You, you, you yeah. end up generating uh, the garbage leads effectively. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. you are, I would assume you are using uh, your product to, to, get the, to get the personal emails and create custom audiences. That's correct. So for and Facebook like, and LinkedIn, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So for Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, we use one is custom audience, the other they call tailored audience, but same thing. We try to find the companies that are showing interest. We try to find relevant people. We try to find as many of other identifiers on them to do a matching. So we get a better match rate than, than just corporate email on, on, on Facebook. Yeah, so we definitely use that. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that, that's, I found it to be very effective as, as we just spoke before we started rolling. Yeah. What, are you doing anything on, on YouTube? So yes, yeah, so that's another thing. Uh, we are, so initially all the webinars 
and 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 the video content that we produce, we host it on Wistia. We migrate it to YouTube. So we host all the webinars that we do. The after the webinars are done, we upload on YouTube, um, and and that that's what we are doing. But we are not driving a lot of SEO through YouTube yet. We have thought so. There are a couple of things we want to do. Um, mm-hmm. The podcast series that we are doing, we plan to upload all the videos on YouTube, um, and we want to do SEO through that. The other thing that we we sort of started looking at it literally a month ago. We haven't rolled it out yet. Is pre-roll ads on YouTube? Um, yes. By target, I, I have no idea how it works. Um, again, this is one of the things that I think um, one big B two B company was doing, and they shared it on online, and there are a lot of people discussing about it. So we thought maybe there's a pattern there. We try it out, uh, but we haven't explored YouTube as much as a lot of other people are, and we probably should. Yeah, I've heard that uh, pre-roll ads are really inexpensive. I haven't done a lot of those, uh, but yeah. you definitely need, I think like the big part of it is having the right creative, like creative specifically yeah. with like a punchline that comes in in the first three seconds. And uh, and when you, and the ad type should be like the one that you could skip in, uh, skip in five seconds because there's another one, which I think they call bumper ad, where it's like unskippable three seconds. Uh, and people get so mad. It doesn't actually, they don't even yeah. care what you're saying at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more negative, right? The impact yeah. is really more negative. Yeah. So we haven't dabbled into it, but we'll see. It's interesting. No, it's, I think it's what I've seen with YouTube uh, with a lot of companies is they would post, let's say they post a podcast and they would get 20 views, 30 views, but that's actually doesn't even matter in a way because the main reason you would do that is to rank on Google over time. That's and right. and then and then when it's more of a support role when a prospect or a potential buyer is googling you and then they find that video and then they go on it and then they just like this micro validation happens and then they go back to the website and it's very subtle and you actually can't almost catch it in the data but it works. Yeah. So that's another thing. So uh, attribution in those cases are almost impossible, right? You you cannot provide attribution, but yes, absolutely it works. I just re- realized one thing. One of the things that I think YouTube allows you to do is retargeting, meaning you can say, uh, only show this ad to someone on YouTube if they have searched for these specific keywords on Google. Um, so it makes it super relevant that way. So if a demand gen marketer search for intent data or you know account-based marketing or, or one of our competitors, and then goes to watch the latest uh, a movie trailer, I guess, or, or sports highlights, uh, them seeing an ad about us, like a good catch, catchy ad uh, might work. Yes, yes, exactly. That, so that's one way. The other way is when you actually, you could advertise to the audiences for other channels that are similar, let's say your competitors, uh, provided they allow it. And most of them do. Some, so ah. there's, a, there's, there's a way to, to opt to, to turn it off. Let's say if you're a sales force, you don't want to, yeah. to, to, to bothers to advertise to your audience. It's like almost in a way like Facebook pixel, but it's like shareable. Uh, right. And and it's 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 opt in or opt out. And a lot of channels I found that are opt in. So for example, what I've seen and what I've tried is if you look at the conferences, right? Let's say there's a relevant conference, you go on that channel, and those are generally not very popular. You would get two, three, maybe ten thousand subscribers at most, and you would get five hundred thousand views. But that's a long tail type of audience, and you could still get them in. Why would you just drop them in and see what happens? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 So tell me about micro content. I, I know you commented yeah. on one of my posts and I also have a big, I'm a big believer in that. I think TikTok, although may not be necessarily direct connection to B2B, but there's something in it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I, I, I'm, I, it, is, it was not my decision to be exploring TikTok. Um, I was uh, vetoed uh, by, by a couple of my uh, teammates, but it's okay. We'll try. So, we, I, I didn't even know what micro content is, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I call them short clips, but then I realized there's a, there's a technical term. Actually, from your video, I, I realized it. And then when you said Joe Rogan, I'm like, damn, I do a lot of the times I don't listen to the whole Joe Rogan video. I listen to the short parts of it. So what we do now is um, any webinar or any, any kind of video content we do, we try to find three to five key snippets from there and, and chop it up and, and use tools like subtitle or something to, to put closed captioning and then just post them repeatedly on, on, on social, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, 
Um, we even share some of them with our prospects or existing customers. Um, mm. So that seems to give a lot more leverage to the content that you just published. So, you know, let's say you do a webinar, we get about 100 signups, um, you know, 30% of them attend live and we, we share it with them. But post that, we can take out some good snippets of that and then just promote it online to an audience that did not know of the webinar or didn't attend the webinar or didn't subscribe to it. Now they're like, ah, there's a very good piece of information. So, so yeah, so we, I'm a big believer in micro content now, especially video micro content. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so effective. In the future, we're probably going to see so much more of it because like you look at the consumption of like 40 minute piece versus two, three minute piece and it's higher. It's really, really is higher. Way higher. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it is really interesting. And Joe Rogan has this whole YouTube channel, Joe Rogan, J-R-E Clips. Clips, yeah, that's right. That, that, that makes so much sense. But the key there is, is you hope when you're having this video recording or discussion, there are those awesome nuggets of information that your guests drop and you're like, this is it. Like sometimes while talking to last webinar, there was a discussion and one of my the guests, he described something. I'm like, this is the money clip. I am flipping this. <laughs> yeah, it's but so yeah. true. It's so true. There's uh, it's also like I find when you when you work on those my that's micro content, the editorial work is so important. Like how do you pick the right ones, right? Like the picking Absolutely. the right ones. Because a lot of times I find the short short form clip, it's like almost feels like it's just for the sake of making it short form clip. Like there's nothing in it. It's an art. It it is an art. It's like which ones do how do you stitch it together? Sometimes there's like you're trying to make a micro clip, maybe the first bit is only 10 seconds, but then 10 minutes down the road, they, they say something that's related to the first clip. There's another 50 seconds. If you stitch them together, that becomes very powerful. So I think there is a little bit of that uh, in there. It's, it's figuring w- w- how to stitch them together. It's so true. Like that people who, who, you know, I was speaking to one of my friends who's a marketer. He said this line, I thought it was just genius. He said, I, I saw the research and uh, in the future, people who are, know how to make video, a short form video will be, that skill will be more important than coding. Wow. Okay. That, that is a bit of, bit of a threat, but, but yeah, sure. sure. It, I mean, uh, of course. I mean, it sounds like a marketer made it up, of course, because it's, not, it's a good headline, right? That's a good, good clickbaity uh, tagline. Yeah, that would right. get a lot of eyeballs. I know, I know. Uh, For- Forbes is really bad at this. Like, I mean, they're just terrible at this uh, clickbaity headlines. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. What do you what do you do what do you do with your how do you produce your micro micro clips like you have um, do you do it in house you are you are outsourcing it? Yeah. So what we are doing is we we have a social media marketing person in house and he's actually out of Toronto and he he basically he tries to create five micro clips a week um, and one of the things we do is for some of them like if I feel strongly about a video that someone, one of us recorded with a guest, um, I'll, I'll suggest that to him and say, hey, this is the timestamp when you make a clip. The rest, like he would use his um, judgment. And basically we use one of these online tools. Um, we use subtitles. There, there are a couple others. They're relatively inexpensive and get the job done. It does the translation, provides you the SRT files and, and everything. Mm, right. I'm doing it myself like pretty manually right now. It's uh, in the Final Cut Pro, but it, you have a little bit more control. But I think the tools like you just described, it could be easier, like more streamlined approach. Yeah, 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 absolutely. When you are sending, let's say you want to share that clip with a prospect, where do you link, the, where do you host the video? Would you link yeah. it to the YouTube or to some, like with a website? Um, if it is already hosted, we don't upload, we haven't uploaded a lot of the micro clips on YouTube yet. Um, we basically, we upload the MP4 files on the platform. But when I share with the prospect, I basically do one of two things. Either I would link to the uh, MP4 file on Dropbox, make it shareable, or mm-hmm. I would sometimes actually link directly to the LinkedIn post. Because when I, some, some of the micro clips that I post, I would add some context to it uh, in the post. So I'll share that. Mm, that's a good, yeah, it's a good approach. Yeah, especially because they're generally not there because when they're compressed, that's right. Yeah. So the other thing, when I think of micro content, now that I think about it, so we have thought of micro content. Well, I am thinking of micro content in two ways. One is, you know, taking a long video and making shorter clips of it, as we talked about. The other version is 
on purpose making micro clips, meaning uh, the, the whole discussion will be total of five minutes. And I'll, I might put that, that's a little bit longer form of micro content, but, but those also get a lot of uh, engagement and value, value. And I'll tell you why. One of the things we mm -hmm. did was uh, when COVID hit, when, uh, end of Mar mid to end March, when things were really bad, we stopped all our outbound. So we try to reach out to, on average, about 100 people every week to personalize outbound. So companies that have mm -hmm. shown intent, people within them, we send a right. personalized report. So we said, you know what? Right, right now is not the right time. So let's stop. Uh, but we still need to create content um, and, and, and let the world know we are there and we can help. But so what we did was we reached out to people that are experts, like sales leaders, like John Barrows, mm -hmm. um, couple CEOs, um, a VP of marketing, and basically said, hey, you know, in your role as a sales leader, what are you doing? What are you suggesting to your customers? As a VP of marketing, what are you doing? As a CEO, what are you doing? As Genius. A, as, as, so, and, and, and we basically did five-minute clips, very specific, telling, asking them three questions, um, and everyone had a different perspective and basically posted them. Um, and some of our prospects actually replied back saying, uh, Tukan, um, my sales team was wondering how to send email during this time, and, and your John Barrow's clip actually answered it. Like one of the things we did with John was saying, hey, John, I'm going to show you an intent signal on a company that we know is still growing. Like we could predict that they're growing. They're not, they're resilient. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me if you get this intent signal or this trigger, whatever, forget leads, right. whatever you got the yeah. signal, how do you reply? And he basically told on the spot how you would reply. That's a great piece of content. Uh, and I just shared it with, on, on LinkedIn, shared with our prospects, customers saying, hey, this is what the uh, leading sales leader is telling. Feel free to use it. This um, is super so that's cool. another form of micro content that we did is on purpose, keep it super short and just go for it. And you did it in a Q&A format, right? So you reached out, let's that's say it. you talked to John and you asked him a question, but you told him, look, it's going to be five minutes. That's it. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. We said, um, it, it's going to be five minutes. It's going to be a Q&A. I only asked for 15 minutes of their time. First five minutes, we just chat. And then we say, okay, we're going to record. These will be the questions. Um, like this, these are the kind of topics. There is no fixed question. Basically, the goal is right. We are trying to help our audience. You are an expert in this. What are you doing? Just, just tell me. Right, but you are not you. Yeah. You as an interviewer, you wouldn't be providing too much commentary. It would be just like no. John. Let's say he would be like talking. Absolutely. Oh, I'll, I'll keep shut other than asking the questions and nodding my head. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, I've I've read this. Uh, this is this is phenomenal. I, I think this is such a phenomenal strategy. It's like I was smarter than basically everybody else. It's 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 like micro. It's a basically like micro show in a way that is yeah. perfectly yeah. tailored to COVID. And it's like it's such a great piece of content. Instead of just trying to think about some BS reason for people to read it, there's yeah. actual experts who are talking about it. Yeah. No, uh, we were very proud of it, and 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 it actually helped us a lot. It gave us so. Uh, it gave us more, so this is, this is weird, more than it gave us the number of leads and all that, it gave us a purpose, meaning saying internally, we are like, you know what, we are taking a stance where we are not going to be publishing blogs, sending out cold emails, we are actually going to create content that is genuinely going to be valuable, because I am going to find value out of it. If I find value, chances are other people in a similar spot would find value. So let's just go ahead with that. So. That's a that's a pretty rare perspective I find uh, over and over again. I think I, that, I actually posted about it on LinkedIn and that, that post got a lot of engagement where this gap between us as consumers and uh, as marketers, where we would never click on that thing, but we yeah. are like so happy to let's send it over and, and hope that, that, that something happens. And, and I funny you mentioned that Jason Lemkin, uh, he published a post, like a LinkedIn post. He said, marketers or you know, founders, the webinar, the ebook, the case study, the podcast, whatever you're putting out, make sure um, that you, when you're creating this or putting it out, think about this would be the most useful piece of content that your audience reads for, for that week. And, and let's say if I put like the show me the data podcast, if I put it out, it's not going to be relevant for an accountant or a sales development lead or an engineer. 
But what I do want to do is, if you're an account-based marketer or demand gen person, if you're thinking about running that or whatever, if you listen to this, you're like, this is probably one of the best piece of content that I listen to or consume. Um, so that's, that's the mindset we Absolutely. should have. Um, yeah. But it's tough. It's tough because we get carried away. We get carried away with, with the BS. And, and, it's, and, it's, uh, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. It is. It's, it's a, and, 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 and it's also interesting that like what I found the, the huge benefit of having a micro content is that you could actually promote the longer form piece of content by using that short video as an ad instead of a single image because That's it's so much more effective. You could use it on LinkedIn, use it on Facebook, and you could do retargeting if you want for people who watched it. And actually, yep. it's going to be pretty effective. But And then you could retarget them with another, another different clip. But it's... Uh, it's smart versus, oh, let's put a single image of a stock footage from 2007 and, and run yeah. with that. I, I absolutely, so that's another thing. So one of the things we, we have, we've experimented a little bit of some of these micro clips on, um, on Facebook as paid ad for, uh, as assets, but that's something that we're going to do more and more of it. It's uh, so what I've heard, and this is this is fantastic. What I've also heard, and I haven't executed, but I was planning on to try is pretty much do the same micro Q&A like you described, but instead of actually joining the call and booking the, the call, you have a few questions that you'd like to get answers to. And then maybe you send them to John Bears and say, John, at your own time, record them, whatever you want to record. Use your iPhone, record yourself for five minutes, answer these questions and send the video over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how, how that will work though, because I think you as, as a speaker, at least that's true for me, I would speak better or with more with passion if i'm having a dialogue it, it I, I guess that would be gone if i'm just recording it um that would be one of my thoughts um but mm. one thing that i one tactic that i heard was someone told me is a lot of people are recording their their zoom calls like the sales calls and in the sales calls um it, it is i think it's a gold mine for content for topics to create because your prospects are asking you, so how do you do this? How do exactly. I apply this? Like, like relevant questions. One of the tips they shared was when a customer asks you a question, you give an answer, record that bit, makes the clip out of that. That is one of the best pieces of content. So for example, one common question they ask is, mm -hmm. how are you different than this? Or do you comply with GDPR? And we always have great answers to that and because we, have, we know what the answer is. But that, those are great pieces of content that you can take out and the in best. real, the, right? And, and share it. That was an idea that someone told me. I, we haven't executed on it yet, but I, I'd be up for doing that. It's so good because this is, I've heard that idea from Chris Walker. He's the CEO of Refine okay. Labs. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's like, he's pretty, he's a LinkedIn beast. He's getting like a lot yeah. of likes on his post, but he basically, he does this pretty much the same strategy as we are, we were, we're talking right now, but he said like, how I get this videos is I set up this expensive camera because he bought it now. And I jump on the call with a person who asks me question on LinkedIn, let's say, cause he does the marketing, uh, marketing services. And somebody would ask him, Hey, Chris, how do I do Facebook? He's like, sure, let's jump on the call 15 minutes and it's free. And then he would record it and he would send it to his team and then repost it. Imagine that. See, that's perfect, right? He's giving the free consultation, the lead for him potentially, but he's getting so much value post the video is created. So it's brilliant. It is such a genius of strategy. Another thing I've heard, and I thought it was so good. So there's a guy, Josh Brown. He's a he's a sales yep. guy, yeah. and yeah, and yeah. Uh, and he does this show. Uh, he calls it "I Teach My Wife Sales." And um, it's really good. It's, it's, a, it's a micro show. It's like three to four minute clips on YouTube where he sits on the bench with his wife in his backyard and he records it on his iPhone. And it's, he talks about like, how do you solve, like go over objections? How do you, you know, um, like resolve that? And his wife starts by telling a story like, oh, my neighbors were so loud and it was 11 p.m. And, and Josh would be like, so what did you do? I just yelled at them and what happened? Well, they didn't stop <laughs> And then, and then Josh would be like, oh, here's what you do. And that element of entertainment was so good versus, you know, it's like, not like another boring thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Like, how do you stay away from the boring part of it? That's, that's, that's tricky because a lot of people can create great content, but just because it's so long, it's the great piece of information that we buried 45 minutes into the discussion. 
but you need to you need to create that's why micro content becomes interesting and keeping it non not boring is also key are, are you, I mean, you are super heavy into data, of course. Are you thinking or uh, have you thought about any entertaining entertainment type of concepts or not yet? Bill, or we, What we are thinking of is, um, I, I, do, I do not know. I, I know for a fact that we are not going to do any kind of uh, gimmicky, entertaining kind of like with funny hats or music or stuff like that. I don't think we'll do that. <laughs> yeah. But what we will do is uh, one of our strengths is the data that we have that's unique to us. So one of the things we're gonna do is we're gonna focus more and more in releasing data, uh, whether it's infographic or, or graphs and stuff like that, that is helpful to the audience and that's unique to us. That always performs. So one of the best pieces of content that we, that we did, or I, I don't know, I mean, I shouldn't say it's content, but basically yeah. one of the things we did was we, and, and I think I shared it with you, um, and that's where we got connected on LinkedIn was we, when, when COVID hit, we were always thinking of, you know, how can I ask John Barrows to give me insights and, and other experts. At the same time, one of the things we did was uh, we basically did two things. We actually, uh, one of the signals we track for predicting intent is jobs. So we basically said, you know what, I will group by country, which companies are currently hiring for people and just post that data out. There's no, no gating, nothing. We just shared that. Um, we repurposed it recently, calling it "We Have Good Intent" campaign. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. I like that. Uh, but but then one of the things we did was one of the great best piece of content we recently did was we actually looked at companies that were resilient even in 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 the times of COVID. Meaning, what we did was we actually looked at companies that were um, that were still hiring actively, that were still running marketing campaigns, meaning webinars. Um, they were promoting or doing live events. They were still buying media. So we, we extracted that data and we ranked them and we shared that list of companies for the month of May. So there were 24,000 companies, no strings attached, name of the company, industry, and we just basically shared that list. There were over, I forget, like 27,000 people that clicked on the link, came to the Google Sheet. We didn't convert, I, I don't know how many leads we converted or anything. We got at least three mentions to podcast guests we are working with a big publisher uh, but but but, a but the number i would assume you probably obviously didn't track it you didn't get it however if you look at the number of inbound requests it probably has increased absolutely it definitely did it's, 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 one of, it's one of those two things where like attribution is never accurate because like the person could click on the ad on, on Google, but they only clicked on it because you told them about how cool the product is. And you would yeah. look at the data. You're like, oh yeah, let's double down on Google versus yeah. that was a referral. You know, so it's like, cool. it's, it, it's, 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 it's never going to be perfect. I know. But, but one of the things that we are, one thing was clear, and this has happened over and over again. So anytime we publish any data that is, uh, that is any piece of content, like text content that is backed by data um, that's unique to us is great. And one of the companies that kills it is Gong. Uh, oh my God, like, they're so good. Right? Yeah. Analyzing 23,000 calls, this is what, and everyone eats it up because it's super unique because no one else has that data. It might be Chorus or some other company. Uh, and the other thing is it, it, it's so helpful. So uh, I think we, are, we want to go like that's what who we aspire to go like that kind of content, um, but specifically from intent and, and buying predictions. And, and, and I think that's probably one of the reasons your podcast is going to do super well, because you are, you're, you're sticking with stuff that people will always want, the data, like specifics. Show me the data because there's so much, there's very, very little information on like this, this, this person, the first guest, she said, how she got a 30% uh, conversion on an ABM campaign. First of all, I have not found a lot of content or information about what's the con average conversion rate on ABM. They, everyone says ABM is B2B, ABM is great, this, that, that's awesome. But tell me what's the conversion rate, how do you get it? Like what, how many people did you reach? What was the budget? Like that exactly. itself is super valuable. So, so I'm, we are very excited about it, to be honest with you. And I, I, I would love to give a shout out to Alex Field, who's, who's our head of growth. It was his idea. He, he, he always comes up with cool ideas. Uh, a lot of them, I, 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 of I, I shoot it down. But this one was incredible. 
and we, we got inspired by what uh, Nathan Latka was doing. And we said, you know what, let's do this for marketers. No, that's a good idea. That is such a strong idea. Like I, I think it, yeah, it, it's like, brilliant. To be honest, what, what we have a dream is like eventually when we have like, let's say a hundred or 200 guests. So we would have like an air table where someone can go and say, Hey, I want to see what's the benchmark for someone in, in a manufacturing industry in North America, what, what's the benchmark campaign? Like what campaign did they run this company? I want to see that, like that kind of information we would, we would hope for. So. Yeah, that would be super smart. And you know, you touched on IBM. I never understood what IBM means, you know, like yeah, IBM, like everybody's tossing the word. I bet most people don't know what it is. And then I, yeah. I looked at it. I looked at the software. It's basically running text-based ads on, <laughs> in, on, on certain keywords. I'm like, guys, like, come on, like you think that's going to work. And I'm like, okay, if, that's true, then how IBM is different if I put up a LinkedIn ad by title and company, Yeah. right? No yeah. software, no software. No, I know. So again, the, 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 that's true, not just with IBM, but that's tr true with a lot of other things where a great marketer, uh, and I, you have to credit a marketer, would come up with this strategy and make it sound like this un incredible thing. So. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's yeah, that's why they do road shows. Uh, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> like Uber Flip does. I mean, a lot. Oh, they have to. Like, because it's like you don't need it. I mean, effectively. But, but, but I don't think those road shows are happening anymore. That's gone. That's that's. I mean, it's fascinating. It really is fascinating how how they're gonna uh, turn this around. Uh, I want to touch on uh, Leadsip because we we kind of talked a little bit about. It. We didn't dive into the detail. Tell us a little bit about what you do because I think it's super cool, especially for anybody who's listening from B two B. Sure. I mean, so Leadsef, um, the tagline is uh, we are an intent data provider for other B2B companies, helping them identify the accounts and the contacts to go after based on signals of buying behavior. That's what we do. So that's the, the big um, like mm -hmm. 30,000 foot view. But if you unpack that, and this is something that we, we want to talk a lot more, we want to create content on it, is what is intent? Because there is a lot of misconception about what intent is. Um, intent is not new. It's not just, uh, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, like Bombora didn't come up with it or Leadsip didn't come up with it. Intent has been there forever. Intent in its basic form means it's the likelihood of, in B2B, the likelihood of a company needing your product or solution at any given time. That's mm -hmm. intent. That's buying intent. Right. Now, Obviously, if it is related to someone buying your product or solution, um, that is the most important thing. Every sales and marketing person knows when someone has a likelihood for your solution. Now, th there comes the challenge. Um, there is, at least from a third party, and Intent has two different sites. One is first party, meaning they come to your website or they talk to you, they say, hey, I'm interested in your services. That's right. first party Intent, that's great. But less than 1% of your total addressable market is coming to your website and filling out a form or requesting a demo. The rest are doing something outside. Like 98% not, not in a buyer's mode, right? That's right. So out of the 98%, not all of them are looking to buy a solution. They just don't have the need or anything. But uh, give their different stats, anywhere between 20 to 20, 10 to 30% of them are starting to think. Some of them might be lower in the funnel. Uh, intent goal is, is, is identifying who that 10 to 20 or 30% are that are in buying mode and surfacing that information to you. Now that sounds great. Now let's take a step further. The reality is, and I'm going to probably shoot myself in the foot by saying this mm -hmm. is there is no single source of intent from a third party source that can tell you this company is guaranteed going to buy from you. I can guarantee you. there isn't anyone right. saying that is lying. And, and at least if we legit look at it and tell our customers, look, there is no outside signal of intent that can guaranteed say that. Uh, if I could, I'd be a multi-billionaire. That's but a probability. Act, right, it's a probability. And whenever you're thinking of probability, there's obviously chances of a mistake. So what we do is, and, and every intent data provider, I'll talk about ourselves, is we mm -hmm. look at different proxies that give us an indication that there might be something going on that indicates that buying mode, that timing. And, and for us, that could be one of multiple different things. Um, it could be, and, and I'll take one step back, is mm -hmm. we look at publicly available web information. Right. Our mission at Leadsip has always been to mine anything that is public, similar to what Google does, but for B2B 
this space. No, and, no privacy concerns effectively. No, no privacy concerns. So basically we tell our customers that if you had 1 million lead researchers, they could go over every job posting, every technology change, every tweet, every LinkedIn, everything, every press release and, and pick up this data. That's not possible. We right. automate the process. So for us, when we are trying to make this prediction, mm -hmm. the probability of someone being in the buying journey, we basically look at, it could basically indicate if someone is talking to uh, a competitor of yours, that could be a signal or a complimentary company mm -hmm. or a partner. Why are they talking to them on a forum? Why aren't they asking questions about them? Why did they share this webinar link that they did? Maybe this is, maybe they are, maybe they are not. But it starts becoming really interesting is if you see, let's say you sell a marketing consulting services. If you mm -hmm. see someone um, talk about one of uh, another consulting company um, three, three weeks ago, then two right. weeks later, uh, you see them posting a job about hiring a director of marketing. Then you figure out that six months ago, they started using Marketo because you're specialized in Marketo. Uh, then you also see uh, one of the director of sales have been asking questions about lead generation on a public forum. If you look at all of these four signals, that give you an indication that they might, they're definitely a good fit and they might be in the buying journey at this moment. Will they buy from you? I don't know. But I, with all this data, I can make a pretty educated guess that they would be a good company for you to prospect. Right. It's like the, the consultants, like, like the consultants would look at, oh, these people are hiring. Let me reach out to them versus let reach out to everybody else. Cause it's going to be like, you know, like a, a bunch of people who don't, don't really care. That's correct. So if you layer on hiring, technographics, engagement, research, industry event, SEC filing, all of this, even podcast mentions. So you, we would look at people talking about podcasts and, and if there's in the metadata, they said they're investing in ABM. I know there's something going on. So again, you can stitch to all of this data together and get a good picture of this intent of this company to buy your solution. Um, so that's really what we do. I know it's a long winded answer, yeah. but I wanted to clarify this. It's very cool. And you have content to actually show how it works. I've seen numerous videos that like, here's the spreadsheet. Absolutely. Here's what it is. Here's what, how you can use it, which is like great. I mean, that's the best validation. So, so the other thing is like, this is crazy, right? We, because we think so deeply about intent because we really want to focus on data. We are a data first company. We want to be best at predicting buying intent for B2B. Um, some of the intent signals are actually not even explicit. What I mean by that is, uh, let me, let, uh, like this might be a provocative question or a comment. Let's, let's do it. Let, let's say you, you are a marketing consultant. So you, a, a company that would be a fit for you uh, would be if you see a B2B SaaS company that do not have uh, any marketing person in their role, but they use Marketo and they've been around for five years. That, in my mind, is a good signal of intent, meaning they're growing their team. They're still functioning. Mm -hmm. they, they use Marketo, but they don't have a marketing person. I would consider that company to be a good buying intent fit. Did they do anything explicitly? No, they didn't. But the fact that they have certain characteristics that go deeper than just an ICP of 50 employees and plus and all that can, can give you some insight into who are the right people to go after. Uh, same, if you're a content marketer, if you see a company that is that has a bunch of salespeople, but they don't publish more than one content every three months, that the absence of content is an intent. So, I don't know. So, so true. So th that, those, are, those are different ways you can look yeah, at intent. You, you said hypothetical, actually know at least one company that matches what you just said, that your first example, like, like legit, really? that's exactly, yep. Exactly. They use Intercom, they use Salesforce, they, they use all the tools. They don't have marketing person because the engineer would be doing marketing. There you like, go. So they can genuinely help some expert coming in a few hours a week, giving them the guidance and running demand. And all that. So what does it mean from the filter perspective? Because you said we could set up an ICP, a typical ICP pro thing, or we could do it in a smarter way, like you just described, which would be a slightly different approach. Is it, is it, um, do you want to do both or do you, does, if you're looking at a company, let's say like you described that is, does not have a marketer, but could be potential looking at a marketing, like, is that a more broader approach than a traditional ICP? Yeah. So this is, this, that would be a more narrower approach to be honest with you. Um, we, at least of the way, few ways we filter the data is first you come in and you basically say, which 
uh, the way we look at it is which business category do you fall under? Um, so uh, let's go with your example. You're a marketing sure. automation consultant or, or something like that, right? Marketing yeah. operations consultant. Mm-hmm. So that's the business category you fall under. Immediately, once you tell me that, there's two, inform- two things our system will spit out to you. First, it'll tell you these are 20 or 50 other players that fall under the same business category. That's number one. The second thing that you would filter is, it would suggest to you is these are some keywords that people that use marketing operations consultants would use. So you would want to track that. Now that will bring in everyone, uh, like you know, freelancers, consultants, other consultants talking about it. Then yeah. you would add your filtering. Then you would say, okay, I only care about companies that are B2B SaaS. Um, or I would only look at companies out of these that are B2B SaaS, 50 employees in North America, and in the last 90 days that have a new CMO or currently hiring for an SDR. So you can add that filter. You can go another step. You can add saying in the last 60 days, if any of them have, uh, that have also started using intercom or drift. So if you look at all of this, so those are some ways to do filtering. We currently do not support saying things like, give me a list of people that do not have, that have shown interest towards your competitor or your keyword but don't have a marketing person or anything like, or have not published content in the last five years. Um, I would love to get there, but, yeah. but it's custom for every customer, like the, that, that, that qualification. So, so yeah. Very cool. That's super powerful. That is super, super Thank powerful. You. I love that. That's so, it reminds me of like Facebook, like mostly Facebook, like the power of Facebook, what you could do with audiences, what you could do with filtering. I mean, obviously yeah. different context, different tool, Absolutely. but it's just that power of like, get into the, the right, smaller segment of people because i mean there's a lot of them in icp like oh let's go after everybody like this yeah. 200 000 companies yeah. and it's a yeah. it's a shot in the foot of course okay let me let me ask you this so in terms of uh, like cool people in marketing who are doing like who are who, who's who's doing really good content marketing work that you look up to you mentioned gong are there any other people who are like you look as an inspiration somebody that could be video audio content or podcasts yeah Few, few people that, that I'm blown away and I'm inspired by. One is uh, Chris Walker from Refine Lab. It's incredible. Amazing uh, guy. I, I look up Nathan Latka. Um, it's not a, he's not a marketer, but B2B. He, I, I, told, I met Nathan in San Francisco about three mm-hmm. months ago. And I said, Nathan, your newsletter is the only newsletter that I read because <laughs> the way he writes it, right? So incredible. He did a live... Um, I, I don't know if you saw it. He did a live Shark Tank today. Um, oh, I haven't, so, no. Where he had a founder and there were three buyers and the founder shared his insights, like his stats, um, like MRR growth churn, and the bidders would bid and they would negotiate. There was so, it, it was incredible. I learned so much. So Nathan Latka, Chris Walker, mm-hmm. um, uh, Gong, Chorus. Chorus is also catching up. They're putting out good content. Dave Gerhard, who's at oh, G. Yeah, G is great. Right, he's, he's, right? he, I think he kind of flipped more to on, on, on coffee now. He used to do more videos, but I came walking at Starbucks. Yeah, more coffee, yeah. Yeah, I know. So he, <laughs> he does some great, great, great content. Um, and uh, there, there are quite a, quite, quite a few other people that I, that I, that I follow. Um, there's this guy, um, he used to work at Segment and Drift, Guillaume. Oh, I um, know this G. I think they call him G. G he's super G, cool. Six, oh my God, his content is so actionable. It's great. Um, so these are, these are some of the people that I gotcha. follow. And then there are certain CEOs or venture capitalists on Twitter. They're not so much on LinkedIn that post, put out amazing con- content. So uh, Tom Tungus uh, from Redpoint, mm-hmm. he has some of the greatest. Jason Lemkin, how can I forget them? Like that's okay. fast metrics content. So, right, right. So yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, you are... I've seen a lot of your videos. You are so uh, happy. You're a happy person. I could tell. Like you're very, uh, you're in a very upbeat mode almost always. And you know, see. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. I, I'm just gonna say, like, the job of CEO is so stressful. I mean, I've interviewed a lot of them before, and uh, I was just curious, like, what do you do to keep yourself in the right mode psychologically yeah. and just like uh, mentally? Couple things. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a happy person. It's, it's a bit of a facade I have to, uh, but, but, but jokes aside though, I am a pretty positive person that helps. Like I'm genuinely positive and optimistic, but the biggest thing that helps, um, Sergey is we have been doing these for over mm-hmm. seven years now. So it's tough doing it. Um, oh, yeah. but the, the best thing is 
when you do something that you are passionate about, um, it doesn't feel like work. I still get super excited because I'm working on something that I'm deeply, deeply passionate about because of my, our, of our background is in data mining, data science. Like we are passionate about extracting these nuggets of information, right? So that's one thing. The second thing is the team. Um, mm. I, I, as a, as a, in, or as a first time founder, I made every mistake possible. Um, from a culture perspective, it's horrible. I, 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 I shudder when I think about it. Uh, mm. But, but once you have the right team, the right people, it makes the job so much easier. So we, I, I, I focus a lot more energy on, on communication, the culture part of it. And once you have the right kind of people working with you, the job becomes easy. So those two combined, the passion gotcha. for the problem you're trying to solve and the team is what's keeping me excited and, and motivated and, and seem happy in LinkedIn videos. <laughs> of course. No, it's, I always thought, you know, to be honest, from my experiences, that it's about the people you're working with. Uh, it's, it's absolutely true makes such a big difference. What do you say? And I mean, because of course, it's not a personal development show, but I'm still curious to hear your answer. Like a lot of people say, oh, you should follow your passion, focus on your interests. And I totally agree with that, like you just said, but sometimes your passion could be not very monetizable, right? Something that maybe you can do, like being a basketball player or hockey player, something like that. What do you say to, what's your perspective on that? just how, how would pers- you think about, yeah. What would be your perspective? Like the question is, like how do you chase your or follow your passion if it's not very monetizable? Right. Or you find a different one. Like how do you approach that? Because some people would have a passion that maybe it's going to be really tough to sell, right? Or tough to support yeah. yourself in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But see the thing, I, I do not think every passion that you have, you need to monetize. That's the first thing. I don't think you, every passion, you, you don't need to build a company around it. It can be just passion following. You don't need to start a company. But if you are starting a company, a business, doesn't matter tech or non-tech, you need to be passionate about the, the craft of your, what you're doing, whether it's making pizza or helping mm-hmm. um, B2B marketers better engage their customers or doing better implementations of market or running paid ads. Um, it, you, you need to be passionate about that. And the motivation shouldn't be money. Uh, that's one of the, so this is my personal thing. And maybe that's why I'm, I'm, I agree. I'm, I'm where I am. It cannot be money. If I, I see a lot of entrepreneurs that come to that, like friends and I meet people and they're like, you know, by I'm 28 by 30, I just want to get a million dollars and I'll, I've made it. And I'm like, I do not think that's the right motivation. doesn't matter what your passion is. No. So, so that would be my thing. I don't think all passion needs to be monetized from that perspective. And, and when you are passionate about something, the metric shouldn't be dollar. Obviously there needs to be revenue and all, but it, you cannot be thinking of, I need to be making this much and you're not in it for the right reason. I totally agree. And that's what I was reasons I was just curious because I, I, I'm so interested how people think and you just like echoed pretty much my thoughts is I always, I always thought, and I looked at so many people who are successful, the money never were number one, never, never, it never. Cannot be. It, it, it is a side product. It's yeah. a side. So I'll, I'll tell you my, my definition of success and, and I, I do not know where I read it or now it's internalized. I think it's mine, but <laughs> But what I, what I fundamentally believe for me, success is the people that, that believed in us, uh, whether it's the early investors, angels, venture capitalists, the early team members, the employees that have joined the company, the other co-founders, is making them look smart and making, when they look back on it, they're like, we did the right thing by backing this guy. Like for me, that's, that's success. I, and, and if obviously they would think that it's the right thing is if I have made the money and, and all those things by being with, with integrity and everything, but that's, that's my motivation of success. That's what I'm chasing. So mm, that's a great you. one. That's a great one. No, totally. Uh, that was a great chat. I have to say, I really enjoyed it. Tukan, where's everybody can yeah. find you online? Cool. Um, so LinkedIn is uh, where I'm most active on. So you can look me up by Tukan Das. I link, I link it. Twitter. I link it in the show notes. Yeah, please do. Um, I'm on Twitter at TDAF. And if you want to find more about LeadSeft, it's uh, leadseft.com. Uh, check us out. We do free, free reports. Like we can tell you who your buyers are right now for free, no strings attached. So reach out. And if you have any questions around, uh, you know, data, data science, 
marketing, intent, what is intent, what is not. I, I'm always game. And as I said, we are launching a podcast. Hopefully that'll be useful. That, that'll provide some more context. That's super cool. I'm actually going to link it all below and you guys could tell, like you could, yeah, I'm sure everybody could sense like how much you know about data. You, we spent like 10 minutes talking about intent alone here. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry. I, I, I dragged, I said I shouldn't be talking too much about certain things and I just went blabbering on. No, not at all. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm so interested in that too. Like I like the creative Thanks, side, but, but I also like the data side too. Tukan, it was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for, thank yeah. You, Thanks a lot. All right, that was Tukan, and I hope you guys enjoyed it because this was so good. This was one of my best episodes for sure um, in the most conversational style ever, and we shared our best tips and tricks that we know so far about content, and definitely go check out Tukan's podcast and his product because I've seen it myself. It works super well. It's really, really powerful, especially if you're in B2B and you're thinking of using intent-based data. Uh, you can always connect with me on LinkedIn if you haven't done so already. I would love to. I'm super open to connecting with new people uh, and new listeners. Just go on my LinkedIn. I'll have a link in the show notes below, and um, I will see you in the next episode. Cheers, guys.